back everyone to the squared circle podcast andy here coming to you from a very wet and windy weymouth right here in dorset here in the uk how is everybody doing on this uh, lead up to the super bowl how is everybody doing hope you're all good welcome to all the listeners from mcguire on wrestling second show second week we're still here absolutely brilliant to be a part of mow and thanks to everybody who has made uh, myself feel so really welcome uh, lovely and honoured to be a part of Team MOW. And congratulations to Mike on his new gig. Uh, you can't beat a bit of country music. Check out Team MOW on Facebook for more information on what Mike is up to right now. Okay, now, if you want to get in contact with us here at the TSC, you can do. We are, of course, all over social media. Um, we need to do a search for the Squared Circle podcast. Uh, at TSE Wrestling Pod on Facebook. X used to be called Twitter. Thanks, Elon Musk. Why did you change the name? Instagram and on YouTube using the hashtag TSC Pod. Don't forget, we're also part of Maguire on Wrestling and you can head over to MaguireOnWrestling.com for more information on us, the ACT, Mike, all the contributors, including the legend known as the Mouth, Dan the Mouth Levansky, uh, this guy is an absolute legend. If you listen to the law, brilliant to be even associated with Dan and uh, look forward to uh, speaking with him over the next few weeks. And of course, Mike and Dave Meltzer himself, or you can search on Facebook for Team MOW and become part of that. All social media links will be in the narrative, both on here and on YouTube if you're watching us. Right, what we got coming up this week? Well, as always in professional wrestling, it seems to be a really tumultuous time. We're going to be looking at all of the news, including news on TNA, All Japan, WWE, and of course, All Elite Wrestling. Viewpoint this week, we're going to be talking about Rock versus Roman. Don't forget Cody as the saga continues. We've got this week in wrestling history. And we're also going to be debuting a new segment called TSC Top 5, where I'll be giving you my top five picks from this week on anything that is aired on TV, pay-per-view, does that even exist anymore? PLE, streaming, whatever. I'm going to give you my top five. So let's get to it. We're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, it's time for the news. I'll see you in just a second. You got to stream the alternate commentary table every single Saturday. It's brought to you on the McGuire on Wrestling feed. I'm one half of your host, Demetri Corollas, and I'm here with my partner, Mitch Hondras. Mitch, what is the alternate commentary table? It's simple. It's the perspective of wrestling from the other side of the railing, the real fans. That's right. The perspective that you need. You might have a little bit of fun, too. The alternate commentary table. Subscribe free now to the McGuire on Wrestling podcast feed wherever you get your podcast. Cheers,
Welcome back to TSC. This is the news. We're going to be looking at all of the latest headlines from the world of professional wrestling, including a new possible role for one CM Punk. Now, as we all know, at the Royal Rumble, the former world champion tore his tricep and will be not able to compete for several months. He's had surgery that got took, took place this past Thursday in Birmingham, Alabama, but he was backstage for Friday's WWE SmackDown event. Since that point, Punk has been at the Performance Center to help out new developing talent. Now, good friend and former AEW road agent Ace Steel revealed during an interview with The Wrestling Perspective that WWE may use Punk for commentary while he's out. Fightful Select released a portion of that interview, and it says they want to put him on commentary. I don't know that they that they go down that route since they did an injury angle to pull him out. Uh, since they did the storyline, Drew stomped on his arm. There's a physicality that puts him out. I personally don't want to see him in an on-screen role unless it's in the meantime he's doing NXT. I really don't want to see him on the same show as McIntyre because his sole focus would be going after McIntyre. Well, I can't fight you. Well, I'm going to try. We see people hit by cars and fork trucks and all these things, you know. Still, I feel like the fact that they did the injury has a lot of people think that they they put a storyline to it. Now, he carries on. And, I, and I'm, you know what? Ace Steel, if you want to look at the legacy of professional wrestling, is a kind of a legend. You know, he's he's grown punk. He's developed punk. He's done a great job. I think he is absolutely wrong. Why do I think he's wrong? Because quite simply, having punk on commentary would be absolute gold. You know, we know how good he is behind the mic. We know how good he is calling a match. Now, you imagine bringing CM Punk to Monday Night Raw, teaming him up with Cole and Pat McAfee, calling Drew McIntyre matches. I mean, it would just be absolutely brilliant. Uh, So I kind of seriously hope they do it because it would just be a a great use of punk and a way of keeping him relevant on the ever-changing machine that's wwe and we're going to talk more about that machine changing in just a second now as we know last night on monday night raw the man becky lynch qualified for the elimination chamber uh she defeated uh uh, Shayna Baszler, i forgot her name there and will now qualify to go to perth to face off to become the number one contender for Rhea Ripley's World Heavyweight Championship, which, of course, will be defended at WrestleMania. Elimination Chamber goes down on February the 24th at a special start time. Stay tuned to Peacock or the soon-to-be-leaving WWE Network here in the UK for more information. One of Sheamus's biggest rivals has celebrated a milestone, and the Celtic Warrior took to social media to actually celebrate Gunther, who at the time of writing had surpassed 600 days as WWE Intercontinental Champion and had become the longest reigning IC champ of all time. The ring general defeated Sheamus not once, not twice, but three times for the belt, including an epic encounter here on these shores in Cardiff at Class of the Castle. Uh, and there was an even more epic showdown at WrestleMania 39 that also featured the Celtic warrior, Drew McIntyre. Seamus writes, congratulations on a historic 600 days as intercontinental champion. 
May your reign as icy title caretaker continue. There is no other man I'd relish tearing it away from. Now, we've still got no time timeline as to when Sheamus is going to be returning back to WWE. But you've got to imagine that they are going to be looking to put Sheamus in a main feud the minute he returns back to TV. Personally, I don't want to see Sheamus against Gunther. I'm really digging. I've I've never used the word digging. I'm really digging this Jey Uso and Gunther storyline that they're beginning to develop. And we'll touch more on that a little bit later on. One superstar, though, who may not be around for much longer is Dijak because the former Retribution member has been with the company since 2017, where he has mainly, apart from that really forgetful run on Raw, worked NXT. He's remained in NXT and been heavily featured under the amazing creative direction of Hall of Famer, the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. However, his contract is set to expire this year, much like many other contracts within the company. According to Fightful Selects, Dijak's deal is up in June, and there is no indication at the moment if he plans on remaining in NXT or hoping to get back to the main roster, or whether or not he decides to become All Elite, make a stomp in the Impact Zone, or head overseas to New Japan. But what do you think about Dijak? You know, I've worked with the guy when he came over here and he was an amazing talent uh, pre-WWE signing and I've seen him grow, but the use of T-Bar on the main roster, obviously, as we know, was just terrible. I mean, absolutely awful. I'm loving what they're doing with Dijak. I'm loving what they're doing on NXT with him. This fresh coat of paint, this repackage, it's what he needed. Personally, I'd like to see him stay on that brand. If Bron Breaker is moving up to main roster, then having someone like Dijak be able to step into that role, I think would be a great thing. So I am all for Dijak staying in NXT and staying with WWE. Do I ever think he will reach the upper echelon of the main roster and become the world heavyweight champion? No, but I do think he will make a massive impact as a title holder within NXT. One other superstar who could be making a major impact is a Fatu. Jacob Fatu has officially confirmed his free agency. News broke a few days ago that the Samoan werewolf was finishing up his run with MLW after six years and one that saw him have a year plus long reign as their version of the heavyweight champion. He worked his final MLW event this past Saturday against Yuji Nagata. Prior to that match, Fatu appeared on Signed by Superstars, where he stated that his bout against Nagata would be his final one under the MLW banner. Fatu has said in the past he has an interest in joining up with his family in the WWE, especially as Bloodline continues to be the biggest attraction in, well, all of professional wrestling. I mean, that's not anything to lie about. There is no confirmation at this moment that he is WWE bound or if AEW, TNA or any other promotion have an interest. Although we do know that Tony Khan has a big announcement this Wednesday on Dynamite. I I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that. But, you know, if you think about what is happening with the bloodline, now that you've got uh, Jey Uso on Raw, you've got Jimmy Uso, Solo Sokoa, Roman Reigns, Paul Heyman, and now The Rock on SmackDown, having somebody else come in would make sense. 
But my question to all of you is, quite simply, is it too little, too late? Has the bloodline now run its course? Now, we will be touching on that in just a second when we go into viewpoint, but I really want to know your thoughts across all of social media. Hit us up, leave a comment either on the video or on social media. Let me know. Should Fatu sign with WWE? If he does, should he be a member of the bloodline? Now, we want to send best wishes and get well soon to WWE Hall of Famer, the legendary Jim Ross, who tweeted out on February 1st that he had a successful cancer surgery. However, the longtime play-by-play man went under the knife and tweeted out just yesterday that he had another one just four days removed, um, saying another successful surgery, need your prayers. Now, it has been no secret that Jim Ross has had health issues going back a couple of years now and is, in fact, no longer featured regularly on All Elite TV. His contract with the promotion is due to expire this month. So what could be next for Jim Ross? Well, I think first and foremost, it's about making sure he's fit and healthy. Is there a spot for Jim Ross on commentary? I kind of think there is, um, but at the same point, the business that we're in now is not the same as when Ross was in his heyday. And I love hearing the dulcet tones of good old JR because it's good old JR, right? He is an absolute bona fide legend. But I think when you look at guys like Kevin Kelly, Nigel McGuinness, Tony Schiavone, Excalibur, I don't think that there is now a place for Jim Ross on the commentary desk at all elite wrestling, nor should there be. Um, I do, however, have one thing. And I know Jim Ross has gone on record on this. I know Tony Schiavone has gone on record. I do want to see Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone behind the desk calling Sting's last match at Revolution in March. That's fitting. They started it. They get to finish it. But to see Jim Ross back on commentary full time, it's not really rocking my boat. Do I think he should go home to WWE? Again, not necessarily. Um, I, th- I think Jim and I've, I've been I've had the pleasure of interviewing Jim about three or four times over the last 15 20 years and every time that I've spoken to him he has been extremely gracious with his time and and really opened up and told stories and he's a genuinely nice guy but I do think now it's, it's a pass the baton and move on you know and enjoy a retirement get yourself healthy first of all enjoy retirement and see this business continue to grow and the announcers continue to flourish under your guidance. But I don't necessarily want to see you don the headset with the microphone, just like I have to call action anymore. Go out on a high. Now, one person who is having a high at the moment is his AEW colleague, Tony Schiavone, because Schiavone has become the lead play-by-play man for the secondary show, Collision, where he works alongside Kevin Kelly and Nigel McGuinness. Now, we all know that. On a recent episode of his What Happened When podcast with Conrad Thompson, he spoke about working on that show. He states that sometimes Collision is better than Dynamite in his eyes. And he said, lots of excitement about Revolution. Yes, the shows have been really good. Really, I think that Collision has been great. It has been. They've been great shows. And I'm just really excited about 
about after we do the shows. I'm thinking that was damn good. Not saying overall it's a better show than Dynamite, but at times it is a better show. Some weeks it is a better show. In the natural course of things, it happens like that. And some weeks Dynamite's a better show, but I've been very, very happy about Collision. He also added that working with Kevin Kelly and Nigel McGuinness has been a real treat and feels that their chemistry together has actually proven itself. He said, and we quote, I really enjoy working with Kevin and Nigel. I really do. We've developed a friendship and we get along with each other. And because I do a lot of the announcing on Collision, I really do that much backstage. Tony told me, just be an announcer on those days. So I kind of go back and stay in the announcer's room the entire day without running around, being a pain in the ass like I normally am. So those are good days. I really enjoy Saturdays. And I got to admit, right, you know, AEW is a mixed bag at the moment. It's really turning into a promotion that doesn't have an identity, doesn't know where it wants to be. And I think even, you know, recently with with Endeavor buying WWE and Triple H taking over creative, we are beginning to see the cracks in All Elite. And I don't want that to happen, but WWE is putting out a killer product. AEW is struggling. Now, is that because too many members of the roster? Quite possibly. Is that because they don't have a set storyline creative department or team, as Eric Bischoff has mentioned on any three weeks continuously? I don't know, but something is not clicking. Attendance is down. Ratings are down. Why is it? What can they do to turn business around? I'd be Again, I really want to know your thoughts on all of this across social media. Hit me up and let me know. Can AEW survive another 18 months the way they're going? Interesting one, right? Kicking on with the news. We got more of it coming. WWE superstar and former Universal Champion Braun Strowman has been out of action since the spring of 2023 after suffering a serious neck injury, one that required him to have fusion surgery and has kept him sidelined ever since. The Monster Among Men has said in previous interviews that he hopes to return soon and through further hints when he posted the following on social media. Closer and closer, the monster's coming home. Prior to getting hurt, Strowman found success teaming with Ricochet on a weekly basis in WWE. So, do we want to see the duo reunite when Strowman returns? Personally, it's not going to do any harm to Ricochet. I love Ricochet. I think Ricochet's done a cracking job. Brilliant performer. Was great watching him on the indies with Will Ospreay and in New Japan, in MLW, in uh, Lucha Libre. But, He's never quite resonated with the WWE audience. The tag team did. And when Alexa Bliss comes back, you know, I'd love to see Strowman do something with Bliss. They had that great thing in the mixed tag team challenge. Uh, Let's build on that. She needs a direction. Obviously, the unfortunately, the Bray Wyatt angle now obviously will not continue. Um, But it would be great to see her do something with Strowman and give him some identity. He's a big man. He can go. He's a Bam Bam Bigelow in terms of essence, let him out. Now, uh, I'm really going to butcher this name. I apologize. But Suyoki Fukuda, who is the president of All Japan Pro Wrestling uh, and has been with the company 
since 2020 and helped steer them through COVID, spoke with Yahoo Japan about its future, where he revealed that he's actually refused offers for it to be acquired. He said that his main mission is to protect all Japan. He said, I want to protect all Japan. What is the right thing to do? What is the right thing to do? We have to repeat trial and error, even in a foggy situation. If we fail, we can correct it. Fortunately, though, for Fukuda, AJPW joined the United Japan Pro Wrestling Alliance, along with other major companies such as New Japan, NOAA, DDT Pro, and Tokyo Yoshi Pro, and more. He also helped to facilitate the brief All Japan and NXT Alliance, which saw Charlie Dempsey, the son of the UK's own William Regal, uh, travel Japan to wrestle. At the Royal Rumble this past Saturday, uh, well, two weeks ago now, just gone. God, it's been that quick. We saw the return of Andrade and the debuts of Tiffany Stratton and Jade Cargill. But what? Are the plans for them? Well, according to PW Insider, Andrade will be working a babyface on the Monday Night Raw brand going forward. If it's it was unknown as of this writing, if he would debut on Monday Night Raw, which he didn't. But it's also going to be intriguing to see what they do with Charlotte, the real life wife of Andrade. Now we know she's out injured for a number of months. She's the head of SmackDown. Will Andrade move to SmackDown? Will Charlotte move to Raw? We got a WWE draft, I'm sure. That rhymes. Will Andrade move to Raw? Will Charlotte, will Andrade move to SmackDown? Anyway, you know, you know where I go. The, the question's the same. Will we get a draft and will either of them switch brands so they can be on? And if one of them switches brands, bronze, who switches to the other one? What is wrong with me today? Got no idea what's going on. Former NXT Women's Champion Tiffany Stratton appeared on this past Friday SmackDown and signed an on-screen contract to work the blue brand going forward. The insider confirms that's it. She's done with NXT. This one surprised me. And I'll tell you why. Because there are a number of female talents in NXT that deserve a call-up. Now, Cora Jade is one of them. Okay. Back on the injured shelf, not going to happen. She deserves a call-up. Blair Davenport deserves to be called up. JC Jane, Gigi Dolan, Thea Hale, Nikita Lyons. Yes, I said it. Nikita Lyons needs to be called up. But really, Laya Valkyrie and Roxy Perez. These two are most certainly ready for the main roster. Both current or former NXT Women's Champions can have a good match with absolutely anybody. Have got age on their side, have got athleticism on their side, and really could take this main roster to the next level. So I'm surprised that Stratton, who only debuted for the WWE maybe just over a year ago, already been NXT Women's Champion, um, has debuted on the main roster, especially when you're considering the likes of those girls. Those girls are still on the brand, and Bron Breaker is still on NXT. Okay. Now, over the past few weeks, both us here at TSE and uh, Team MOW have been talking about the plagiarism lawsuit between WWE, AEW, which was filed by a guy called Anthony Dwayne Wilson. Okay. Now, Wilson refiled his claim in Ohio's U.S. District Court where he accused both companies of plagiarism and damages. The court records reveal 
that AEW got an extension and has until February the 23rd to respond. The WWE has until March 7th. So what is it all about? Well, in case you missed it, Wilson claimed that WWE used his works without permission, impacting his wrestling gimmicks, names, slogan, and likenesses. He also alleges that plans for his own promotion were stolen, causing damage to his career, adding that he previously had meetings with members of Bullet Club to make it happen. Wilson seeks control of AEW, removal of stolen works, an apology, and 250 million damages in damages. The first lawsuit was dismissed, but as we mentioned just a few seconds ago, Wilson has refiled. And of course, we're going to keep you updated on all of this over the next few weeks as it happens. TNA are coming back to TNA Plus with their next special PLE, which is called No Surrender. One of the matches has been announced for this. We'll see Mustafa Ali make his debut for the promotion taking place on February the 23rd from New Orleans, Louisiana. The former star will challenge Chris Sabin for the X Division Championship. Maria Kanellis has also been in the news this week. The current AEW Ring of Honor manager and former WWE superstar set the record straight on her recent return to the company. She said, and we quote, there are a lot of report about things that happened when I was in WWE. Most of them are just wrong. Some are rumors circulated by loyalist bots or news and in inverted commas organizations on the WWE payroll. But here are some facts. When I was released by WWE the first time in 2010, my contract was up and I refused to sign for one third what my male contemporaries were making. When I went back, I was told by many people I trusted that WWE had changed. WWE knew we were planning on adding to our family when we resigned. Mike asked for his release. I did not. Mike never went to rehab, nor did they pay for rehab. We were lied to many times about our storyline and what direction it was going. I fought back to no avail. We were never paid millions of dollars. We had the average contract for WWE for six months. We're not millionaires. We don't live in a mansion. And I hope this helps people separate facts from fiction. Couple more bits of news coming up before we go to a break. Eric Bischoff has been back on 83 weeks talking again about his two favorite subjects, Tony Khan and All Elite Wrestling. He gave his thoughts on various topics, including the big announcement that's going to be taking place this Wednesday on Dynamite. The speculation is that this will be a date in Boston for the arrival of Mercedes Monet, signing of Monet or Kazuki Okada. Here are the highlights on the big announcement. And just like everything else that we've seen out of AEW a week later, it won't matter because it's not going to grow the audience. And all this hype and all the anticipation, the big surprise, whatever it is, when it's all said and done, all three of Tony's shows combined won't equal one episode of Monday Night Raw. On AEW needing to make a change, he said, look, I'm sorry, I just can't take AEW seriously right now unless there's a big change. It's just what it is. Nothing's going to change. It's the audience continuing to deteriorate. Their live events deteriorating. They're having a hard time putting 3,000 people in a dynamite, in a live dynamite. Having a hard time finding 3,000 people willing to go for two for one 
Come on. It is what it is. And I know you have a different relationship there. We just mentioned it. Is AEW in trouble? Is there a problem with the live gate and the attendance? And what do they need to do to change it? Is Tony Khan doing what I call the Dixie Carter and using the word announcement far too much? Let me know across social media. Last bit of news for you right now concerns Forbidden Door 3. The annual AEW and New Japan Forbidden Door pay-per-view has not yet been announced, but is expected to happen in June. During Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer mentioned that there are discussions about including CMLL talent at the upcoming event. Now, recently, AEW have been featuring CMLL talent on their shows. Last week on Rampage, there was a match between Mystico, Volador and Mascara Dorada and Hechirio against Matt Menard, Angelo Parker, Matt Seidel and the Fallen Angel Christopher Daniels. Additionally, Brian Danielson faced Hechichiro on Collision. For this Wednesday's Dynamite, there is a match scheduled between Moxley, Danielson and Castagnoli against Mystico, Volador Jr. and Hechichiro. So I love the Forbidden Door event. I think the idea of it is cracking. I think the fact that they do these matches what most internet wrestling fans would call dream. And we've seen some crackers, you know, Danielson versus, versus Okada. Obviously, we had Omega versus Osprey. We've had Jericho in the Rainmaker, guys. They have been amazing events. But as we've already said, AEW have got so many talent on their roster. Why are we bringing in more? Here's what I would do. Brand split. Seriously, brand split. They have got enough people now. You can have a hard dynamite, hard collision, and rampage could be your superstars. You could do a cross com- a cross promotional show. Then you do the battle of the brands. The guys are getting a payday. They're being used on TV. Stop signing people just because they're free agents unless you are going to use them effectively. Just my take. Again, let me know what you think on social media at Team MOW and on the TSC Facebook pages. Right, we're going to go to a break. When we come back, it's Viewpoint. All roads to WrestleMania. Wow, they've been changed. We're going to talk about it. It's Rock versus Roman and Cody too. I'll see you after this. Welcome back to TSC, the Squared Circle. Andy here, and this is Viewpoint. Now, this past Friday night on WWE SmackDown, we saw Cody Rhodes come out to basically give his decision on who he was going to be facing at WrestleMania 40. Uh, Roman Reigns already cutting a promo uh, in the ring with the bloodline. Now, Cody comes out and basically says, I want the championship. I'm going to face you for the championship. I'm going to take the championship, but not at WrestleMania. Aha. Uh-huh. And then, if you smell aloud, the rock appeared, and we get what has been talked about and rumored for up to two years the announcement that rock will be facing. Roman Reigns. Now there is a press conference taking place from Las Vegas, uh, Las Vegas, from Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, no, it's not it's from Los Angeles uh, this Thursday, uh, which will of course be airing on Peacock 
and I would guess on the WWE Network, and we're going to find out more then. But, well, what is this done? Well, it's completely set WWE on its head and made the fans split into two camps. We want Cody, and we want Rock. The eight-minute segment got released on their official YouTube channel and has become the most disliked YouTube video in company history. Rock booed out of the arena when the video was showed at a house show on Saturday. Cody Rhodes addressed it and said, look, I get the outcouring of emotion, right? Trust me. Now, there are conflicting rumors about what's going on here. The rumor is that the Roman Reigns rock match was actually considered and booked before Cody won the Rumble. And it was talked about at the tail end of last year. Of course, Rock kind of dropped a hint a couple of weeks ago on Monday Night Raw when he came out. Um, but the backstage reaction has been increasingly negative. Nobody wants to see this match. They want Cody to finish the story at WrestleMania. And there are a whole load of fan um, theories about what's going to happen. I've got my own. Sam's got his own, who's the co-host of this. But really, what I want to do now is talk about what the hell are they doing? Punk's out. We know that. We knew it was meant to be Seth Rollins versus CM Punk for the World Heavyweight title. They've been building that story since the virus series. To me, the logical next step to replace that match would have been Seth Rollins, Drew McIntyre, building on what they've done and the fact that McIntyre is saying he's the one who put CM Punk out. But it looks like McIntyre is going into a program with Sami Zayn. I ain't got a problem with that. I will admit I forgot it was McIntyre that took Sami Zayn out. That's not good. But I haven't got a problem with it. Um, but now it looks like we're going to get Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins, which kind of goes against a lot of things. One, Cody Rhodes has gone on record saying, I don't want to face Seth Rollins again. And two, Cody Rhodes has beat Seth Rollins three times. Yeah, in two years. So are you interested? Do you want this match to happen? Are we being swerved? That's the other thing that people are saying. A lot of people are kind of going down the route of, well, actually, The Rock never said he was going to face Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. In fact, The Rock didn't say a word on that promo. It's been insinuated afterwards, but he didn't actually say anything on the promo. Could Cody Rhodes face the winner of Rock versus Roman at night two of WrestleMania? I think that's a long shot. The working plan that I've heard and one that I'm actually for, I can't believe I'm saying this, is for Cody versus Seth to headline night one, where Cody will walk out Philadelphia as world heavyweight champion and rock to walk out WWE champion at night two. And then they unify the championships at SummerSlam, which is the rumored match. But I want to raise something here. Okay. Yeah. Look, does it suck for Cody Rhodes? Absolutely. Right. I agree. Everybody says it sucks for Cody Rhodes. 
It sucks for Cody Rhodes. He won the Rumble. Two years he's been trying to win this story. He's been in this championship. He's got the main event. They've booked it. The fans are going crazy. It's 1996 level of heat for The Rock. But what if... Go with me here. The Rock doesn't win the WWE Championship at WrestleMania. They're trying to make SummerSlam a big show. They're trying to make it as big as WrestleMania. In fact, a couple of years ago, they were talking about making it two nights. I'm glad they haven't done that, by the way. But let's go down this little what-if scenario. Roman Reigns is the longest reigning WWE champion in history. He's broke records. He's a guaranteed Hall of Famer. He has beaten every single person on that roster there is to be, bar one. The great one, The Rock. Roman Reigns will pin The Rock at WrestleMania and walk out not only as head of the table, but the WWE champion. Whether or not Cody competes for the World Heavyweight Championship or not, Cody then challenges Roman Reigns for the WWE title. They could go down the route of an option C, like you would do in TNA at Feast or Fired, where you hand the case in and you get a shot at the championship. Cody Rhodes could hand the World Heavyweight Championship back to Adam Pearce and say, I want to go off the WWE title. But that actually you know, screws over the the whatever credibility that championship has. So they're not going to do that. The most likely event, what they will do is either unify the belts, which again, the question is, why the hell have you unveiled this new championship just over a year ago and go through a tournament for it? Or B, Cody Rhodes loses to Seth Rollins. At which point you then got to turn around and go, the fans are not going to stick behind Cody Rhodes now, right? What's going on? Now, members of the WWE universe are not happy, uh, and they've made it quite clear, including Pat McAfee. He says, I'm bummed out. I still don't know what's going to take place between now and Mania. We're all pretty bummed out for Cody, but also very pumped. This is a rock Roman situation. I don't know what's going to happen. Obviously, in WWE, you can never know what's going to take place. It certainly got people pissed off on a Friday. And by God, did it. And it carried on last night on Monday Night Raw. Just seeing Cody in that ring with the crowd doing, we want Cody, Rocky sucks. I haven't heard that in in years. Summer Rae, the former WWE personality, uh, said, I'm not going to lie. I don't like it. I want it at WrestleMania. Maybe I'm not seeing the bigger picture, but I want the effing match at Mania. That's it. The end. If this whole plan turns out better and blows our minds, then I will retract the tweet. Imagine handing over your WrestleMania match that you beat 29 other people for after a two-year build. I don't think personally... WWE were expecting the level of backlash that they got 
when The Rock came back. I don't think they were expecting um, Cody Rhodes to be as over with the crowd as what he is now. The fans are legitimately bought into the story. And we've known that since the return. I don't know what it is about Cody. I don't know. I mean, I talked about it last week on the show. The guy is genuinely a lovely fella, really down to earth, really pleasant. But I don't know why he's got over with the fans as much, why the fans are so desperate for him to finish the story. Is it because of the American dream, Dusty Rhodes? But I don't think wrestling fans of this generation are going to know that. Is it because Cody's been so passionate about it? I don't know. But Team MOW Universe, what do you want to talk about? It's got to be, what are we going to do with Cody Rhodes? He loses this match. Then I don't know where you go with him now. He's chokes at the big ones, which is such a shame because he is a great talent. Similarly, I think what they've done is booked themselves in the corner with Rock and Roman because no one is expecting Roman to win this match. Everybody is expecting The Rock to come in. Now, Rocky is treating it like a bit like a heel. He took to Twitter uh, this past weekend and said, it's because I draw more money and Mania will be a money-making event. And after the past couple of weeks, and we're not going to go into that again, I can see why they're trying to draw more eyes in a positive light to the WWE, but actually what they're doing is alienating their fan base. Now we are wrestling fans. We are fickle. What will happen is quite simple. We will forget and we will carry on and love the pay-per-view as we should do for each and every one of those performers that put their bodies on the line each and every week and tell a story to keep us entertained. But you've got to wonder what Triple H has got up his sleeve. And Summeray kind of said it there. You know, at the end of the day, we don't know, right? We're not involved in creative. But I want to know what you guys think out there. What do you think the plan is going to be for Cody Rhodes? Do you think we will see Rock versus Roman at Mania? Do you see, because Rock never actually said he was competing in a match, it would be Rock versus Roman, uh, sorry, Roman versus Cody with Rock uh, with Cody, with oh, I'm getting confused. Rock versus <laughs> Cody versus Roman. There we go. With Rock as special guest referee, they're not going to do that. I can't see that. I am predicting that we are seeing Rock versus uh, Roman with Cody Rhodes. Could they do it that Rock versus Roman was night one and Cody was night two? Again, I don't think so because whatever happens, you're getting. I got beaten down the night before at WrestleMania. Could they make a triple threat match? Possibly. That is another option. They could do two triple threats. World Heavyweight Championship could be Seth Rollins, Drew McIntyre, and Sami Zayn with CM Punk on commentary. Uh, Night two could be Rock, Roman, and Cody Rhodes. But I don't think that will happen. It's got vibes of WrestleMania 20 with uh, Triple H, Benoit, and HBK, but... I, I just can't see this happening. This has got bigger ramifications. This is head of the table. Everything that WWE have done over the last two years is to make Roman Reigns a certifiable Hall of Famer and legend, which really then kind of goes back to the original theory of he will beat The Rock and Roman Reigns will walk out the undisputed head of the table and the WWE champion. 
It's intriguing, isn't it? What's one thing I love about professional wrestling, right? Is because it keeps you guessing. Now, a couple of years ago, this would have happened. We would have poo-pooed all over it, but like what we're doing now, but we would have turned around and said, we know the outcome. I don't at this point, and I'm quite enjoying it. Yeah, I feel bad for Cody, but I'm actually quite enjoying the fact that I can't call it because Cody versus Roman, I would have called it. Cody Rhodes winning the story. Now I don't know which way it's going to go. And that's what I love about being a wrestling fan. So let me know on social media. What do you think? Will it be Rock versus Roman? Will it be Cody versus Rock? Will it be Cody versus Roman with Rock? What? Who knows? I don't know. Do you know? Let me know. That's a lot of no's in one sentence. All right, we're going to go to a break. When we come back uh, this week in wrestling history, I'll see you after this. TSC. So far this week, we have looked at all of the recent news of the week, including news on CM Punk, news on All Japan Pro Wrestling, news on TNA, and news on All Elite Wrestling. We have talked about what is going to happen potentially, even though I got very tongue-tied, between The Rock and Roman Reigns. Let's not do this again. And of course, Cody Rhodes. Now it's time to open up the vault and look back at this week in wrestling history. For those of you who don't know how this works, we're going to look back from this past Sunday through to this Saturday. We're going to pick some of the biggest highlights that may have taken place in yesteryears. Kicking off with this one. Now, this took place on February the 5th, 1988. WWE's main event was held at the Market Square Arena, Indianapolis, Indiana, and was the first primetime wrestling show on national US TV since 1955 a staggering 33 million people tuned in to watch hulk hogan defend the world wrestling federation championship against andre the giant in a rematch from wrestlemania 3 andre was accompanied to the ring by the million dollar man ted dibiase and virgil the referee was supposed to be dave hebner But due to some shenanigans by Ted DiBiase, his twin brother, Earl, was secretly the official instead. Being paid off by the Million Dollar Man, Hebner counted Hogan for the three, even though his shoulders were clearly up at two. And Andre won his first and only ever singles championship in the WWF, which he held for an astonishing 108 seconds. Why was that, you may ask? Well, because he was paid off by the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. Uh, He gave the championship over to him, thus making DiBiase the WWE champion. An announcement by President Jack Tunney on the 13th of February episode of Superstars said the title was vacant because it couldn't just be handed from one wrestler to another. The tournament would be held at WrestleMania 4 to crown a legitimate champion. Now, it's worth noting that Hulk Hogan held the championship for 1,474 days at the time of loss, which was just over four years. An incredible feat, which has never been rivaled since. One of the most iconic scenes 
in professional wrestling was seeing that match. Uh, everybody remembers WrestleMania three with the body slam, but to see Andre hand the championship over to Ted DiBiase, well, never thought I'd see it. February the 7th, 2008 is synonymous for WWE announcing that it will be immediately severing ties with the developmental territory OVW, Ohio Valley Wrestling. OVW was the company, you may remember, that nurtured superstars such as John Cena, Randy Orton, Batista, Cody Rhodes, and Shelton Benjamin, amongst many, many others. February the 8th, 2009, at the Impact Zone in Orlando, TNA held against all odds on the show. Saw Alex Shelley defeat Eric Young by pinfall to retain the X Division Championship. Big Papa Pump, Scott Steiner defeated Petey Williams. Magnus pinned Chris Sabin. Orson Khan retained the TNA Knockout Championship over ODB. Booker T beat Shane Sewell to retain the Legends title. Nah. Abyss pinned Matt Morgan. The TNA Tag Team Champions, Beer Money, James Storm, and Robert Roode uh, retained over Lethal Consequences, which was Consequences Creed, otherwise known as Xavier Woods and Jay Lethal. Sting defeated Brother Devon, Brother Ray, and Kurt Angle in a four-way match to retain the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. On February the 9th, 1982, at a live event in Miami, Florida, the Masked Rider defeated the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, to win the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. At the time, the NWA didn't allow masked wrestlers to hold their championship belt, so asked him to remove his mask after the match. The rider refused, as it was actually Dusty Rhodes who was suspended at the time, and so the title was returned to Flair, who carried on as champion. Abyss would be the first masked wrestler to officially hold the championship but that wouldn't be until 2006. And lastly, for this week in wrestling history, February the 10th, 2009, the WWE ECW show in Fresno, California, where Christian made his return to television for the first time since 2005. And Tyson Kidd made his TV debut, defeating Bao Nguyen in just 90 seconds. All right, that's this week in wrestling history. We'll be going for our last break. When we come back, it's top five. See you after this. All right, welcome back to the final bit of TSC for this week. And this is a brand new segment called Top Five. And it's the week that was in professional wrestling. Now, TV, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have a lot to watch in the current week. So what I've done is compiled my list of my top five, going from five through to one. One being the biggest highlight. I'm going to kick it off with NXT. And this was the ladies of NXT saving Chase University. I don't know what it is. I, I really don't know what it is about Chase U, but I love it. Uh, it's a guilty pleasure. I love the segments. I, I just don't know why. Um, but JC Jane and Thea Hale coming out with the calendar of uh, NXT, the ladies of NXT to save it 
They, it, it, and the fact that you can actually buy the thing on wweshop.com, uh, it, it's just a giggle. Uh, I loved it. Well, it was fantastic. They've kept it running right the way through. Um, yeah, tre- tremendous. I mean, I think we're going to get a heel turn at some point, but I just don't care. The ladies of NXT is my top five. Number four, we're going to go back to NXT Vengeance Day this past Sunday uh, that took place on Peacock and on the WWE Network for the no DQ match between Joe Gacy and Dijak. It was everything that it was meant to be on the tin. It was brutal. Right, man. One, great action. I'm loving the work of Joe Gacy. We've already talked about Dijak on this show uh, regarding his contract. And this was a showing where you could really see how Dijak could proceed to that next level within the NXT promotion uh, and the brand under Shawn Michaels. He's obviously got the year. He's one of the favorites. Do I really want to see him move forward? Uh, and same with Joe Gacy. Joe Gacy, who hasn't been in the title picture for quite a while now, uh, really could become a contender to the world champ to the NXT World Championship. And uh, I hope he does over the next six to nine months. Number three, the return of Pat McAfee and the new commentary teams. Now, obviously, we saw last week on Raw McAfee return permanently to the Raw desk. That carried on last night on Monday Night Raw. The guy just doesn't disappoint. He is so passionate, so charismatic, so creative. And that relationship with Michael Cole is like having two friends down the pub, having a chat, having a beer, talking professional wrestling. I absolutely love it. Uh, I was dubious about what Corey Graves was going to be like uh, as lead play-by-play with Wade Barrett as color. But it worked. Um, pulling out the standard, you know, I got, I don't have bad news for you, Wade Barrett. These two just clicked. They've obviously done a lot of work backstage to get that relationship. It's showing uh, Kevin Patrick. Sorry, mate. Bye-bye. You're not missed. Corey Graves showing why he is the future of commentary within WWE. When Cole retires, there is your lead announcer right there. Closely followed by Vic Joseph. Uh, Now, Booker T wasn't at NXT. He's not going to be on NXT for a few weeks due to a medical situation. He was replaced by Wade Barrett at the PLE. And again, Wade Barrett was just like riding a bike. He came back to NXT. He hadn't missed a beat. Tremendous. More Barrett on TV, the better. This new commentary team's is working. And I can't wait to see where it goes. What I want to see now at the PLEs is I'm switching it up a bit and it's not just Michael Cole and Corey Graves. I would like to see similar to what they do with all elite wrestling where they alternate it. So you might have Michael Cole, Corey Graves, and then Pat McAfee for a couple of matches and Wade Barrett for a couple of matches to give that different voice or dare I say it, the four man booth. Forget I said that. No, we we don't need a four man booth. Three, threes, three is enough. Number two on the countdown is from last night's Monday Night Raw, and it's the promo between main event Jey Uso and Gunther. Now, we talked about Gunther uh, over 600 days as IC champion, calling it now Night One of WrestleMania, Jey Uso and Gunther for the IC championship. And I wouldn't be surprised if at that point he drops it to Jey Uso to move into the title picture. I mean, he's ready. I can see Ludwig Kaiser costing him uh, the 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 IC Championship. They're caught, they're teasing dissension with Imperium. Uh, great to see Jey Uso and the New Day doing bits and pieces together. We know Big E 
apparently is cleared and due to return hopefully soon uh will he come back to the new day i don't know do i want new biggie back maybe not more for his health but again nice to see them really continuing this build of jay uso he is the uso that's getting more out of this than jimmy jimmy seems to have faded into the background and my top five my top pick for this week is monday night raw and it was the promo between cody rhodes seth rollins and drew mcintyre mcintyre has been on fire since taking cm punk out the social media memes the picture of uh, mcintyre at the gravestone of of cm punk now on a t-shirt right what they're doing with drew mcintyre is what they always should have done he is certifiably the number one heel on raw not only wwe on raw now i'm hoping he has signed a contract he hasn't as of writing i'm hoping he does because this is what we need drew mcintyre to do the match between him and seth rollins will be electric the feud between him and sammy Zayn will be good um but i do want to see what they're going to do with this and the crowd played a big part in this as well and we talked about that in in, in the second segment well on viewpoint but it all added up to becoming an epic 12-minute promo between the three of them with the crowd. And uh, I'm excited to see what's going to happen this Friday night on SmackDown. Uh, will The Rock be there? Will Roman be there? What's going to happen at the press conference? Stay tuned to Team MOW uh, for all of the latest coming up on that. Uh, the ACT guys on Saturday. And Mike, of course, will be back with Maguire on Wrestling on Sunday. And that's it for this week's edition of TSC. Thank you for joining me. And next week, uh, all of the normal bits and pieces. We're going to have another top five. We're going to have the latest news. We're going to have this week's wrestling history. Not quite sure what we're going to do in between. Maybe a retro event center. But let me know on social media. What would you like to see uh, on Team MOW? Pop it on there. Tell me what you would like me to see, what you'd like me to do next week on this show. Is there an event you would like me to look back and look at? Is there... A topic is there a superstar you would like me to go back and chronicle in long form let me know on the facebook and on social media and i'll do what i can to bring it in but for now thank you for joining us uh, this week on tsc pleasure as always thank you for your company look forward to seeing you soon but until then i'll see you at the matches so long bye-bye